a Mecra Online podcast. Boom! We are back and a happy 2019 to all the Mech Warriors out there. I hope you had a great holiday break wherever you are. Now Christmas time is summertime in this part of the world, so Captain Cat and I have both been beach days in the New Zealand sun and uh, yeah, chilling out with our Mech families. But we're back to it and we are very keen to keep bringing you some more Mech Warrior content over 2019. And we did, of course, want to take the opportunity to thank everyone that has listened to the podcast, uh, whether you've provided feedback, comments on the episodes, also to those fantastic Mech Warriors and content creators who made the time to speak with us last year. So a big 07 uh, to Fiora Bunny, Gillicuda, Denier Walker, Cyclone Jack, Bandit B17, MDM00 and Krasnopeski, who were all pretty awesome guests in 2018. Uh, if you haven't listened to those episodes, then check those out ASAP, bro. Make sure to listen to those. It's an awesome community, uh, and we're really keen to bring you more of those conversations in 2019, so hopefully we can get some more guests lined up. Uh, it's a great community with great community members, and uh, we love chatting to those people about the game. Now, we will, of course, be aiming to bring you more content in 2019, both on uh, MWO uh, and on the upcoming release of MechWarrior 5. Now, of course, we are all about the conversation here at Incoming Missile Podcast. And of course, we want to just keep chatting about those different aspects of this game that we enjoy uh, and hopefully that you enjoy as well. And remember, if there is something you'd like us to talk about, make sure to send those suggestions through our various communication channels. Uh, subscribe to our YouTube channel. Uh, follow us on Twitter at IncomingP. Flick us an email uh, at IncomingMissilePodcast at gmail.com. Uh, and of course, be sure to subscribe to the podcast via iTunes, CastBox, or wherever your ears hear your podcasts. We are always keen to hear from you guys, uh, whether it's good or bad. Uh, so yeah, have at it. So we're going to begin 2019 with a couple of episodes that are looking back uh, at 2018. Uh, in today's episode, it's a bright and breezy look at the mech packs that were released over last year. Uh, basically, we're giving you our rambling thoughts and opinions on the mech packs, and we'll do a kind of Den Airwalker-like tier ranking uh, and talk about the impact that that mech pack has had on the game uh, when it was launched. We'll go through each one chronologically, uh, and then we finish up by handing out a few awards to the mech packs that we thought uh, were the best, uh, that were the worst, and the one that we thought was the best buy, and that you should go out and get if you don't already have it. And now there is a ton of specific content uh, on all of the mech packs and all of the mechs that are in there. Our pick of the bunch would be to go along and check out Denier Walker's tier lists, uh, some actual proper <laughs> tier lists. Uh, and he gives uh, a ranked breakdown uh, of the mechs and he's got loadouts and that kind of stuff. So it's an awesome resource. Do check it out if you are considering picking up any of the mechs uh, out of these mech packs and particularly looking at what kind of the best builds are uh, for those mechs that are in there. Now these are just our thoughts uh, on the mech packs from our perspective. One of us a pro, one of us a potato. Uh, so do keep that in mind. And you know, if you think different, do share those thoughts with us. Uh, tell us what you thought about what got delivered uh, in 2018. 
Now, to help summarize the conversation that we'll have today, uh, we have put together a, a bit of an infographic, which is just a big, pretty picture. Uh, so check that out, and we will leave the link to that in the show notes. Uh, with one click, you can kind of see everything that we've talked about and that got released. So in our next review episode, uh, what we'll do is look at the changes that happened over 2018, the iteration of change that happened patch by patch, and talk about how the meta might have shifted, what those changes represent, uh, and particularly you know, where we think the game might be going based on those changes that have happened. So stay tuned, subscribe to make sure you do catch that one, and let's get into today's episode. Autopilot disabled. All right, we are back, and uh, as mentioned in the intro, we are going to look at each of the mech packs that were released in 2018. Uh, it was a big year, and there was quite a bit of content, and uh, yeah, we'll, we'll go through each one and yeah, give our thoughts on the mech packs and, and how they performed and, and what we thought of them. But here's some stats to throw at you. You know that I like my stats. Uh, there were 14 mech packs that were released in 2018, and a total of 83 mechs. That is a hell of a lot of uh, metal. Now that did include uh, a double release in the Evolution pack, uh, and it also included the Solaris release with the uh, heroes. Seven of those were clan packs, and six of them were IS, uh, with of course the Solaris one being a mixed bag. Uh, there was three light, three medium, three heavy, and four assault, because of course there was the double whammy, uh, and then the Solaris one, as I mentioned. So. It's a hang of a lot of content, don't you think, Captain Cat? Yeah, and I mean, it, it's worth mentioning that there are more assaults than in the game than there are uh, any other class because they have one extra tonnage bracket available to them. So it makes sense that there should be more releases for assaults than others. But yeah, a hell of a lot of content going into the game in the form of mech packs uh, at the very least. Uh, maybe next time we'll delve into some of the other content that was uh, introduced into the game over the year. But for now, there's been some good and bad and ugly, wouldn't you say? Yeah, lots in each category. So uh, yeah, we'll, we'll go through the uh, 14 and, and give our thoughts and tell you just how ugly or sexy we thought they were. We will finish up by giving our awards for the mech pack of the year. The one that we thought was the best, the one that we thought was the worst. Uh, and maybe the one that we thought was the buy of the year. So if you did fork out for a mech pack, uh, you're probably smiling up your sleeve because it is a, it was a decent purchase. Right, so let's kick off uh, in January. Let's um, rewind uh, 12 months from now, Captain Cat, and the much-anticipated launch of the Piranha, which, of course, we all know was the 20-ton Clan Light. What were your thoughts on the Piranha? Wow, it completely shifted the direction of the game even beyond just the Piranha. Other mechs had to be changed to be able to keep up. I think we had a soft launch of the Piranha, you could say, in the form of the Mislinks coming into the game and the Arctic Cheetah. That got sort of everybody used to the idea of there being machine gun uh, lights in the game. And that also serve the purpose of letting PGI tune those weapon values so that when the Piranha came in, it wasn't such a beast. And it was actually in playing, it was hilarious, basically. You could go up behind some. I remember when it first came out, it was particularly bad. You get the schools of Piranhas that instantly group up and just go cause terror in the back lines. It, it probably uh, prompted people to 
be a little bit more aware of their positioning and whether their ass was covered, wouldn't you say? Yeah, I mean, it, it kicked off the year with a um, with a bang or with a pling, 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 pling. But it was a, like the Piranha one, of course, was an instant terror. It was just one of those kind of um, hallmark mechs that you had to have, I guess. So I think that would have been a pretty popular one. Everyone saw it coming a little bit, I think, about just how good those uh, those 12 machine guns would be. So, But yeah, it was love-hate, I think. You either loved it or you hated it. To be fair, I thought it was a pretty good mech, though. Pretty good mech pack. The playstyle was um, high risk, high reward. So for everyone complaining about just uh, how much of a terror they were when you got in it uh, for every one game that you had that, um, you know, you did instagib uh, an assault from behind, you know, you got instagibbed four times, you know, from, from just getting brushed. So yeah, I think it was a pretty good mechback. Yeah, that's the point I was going to make as well. And that's, if I see someone saying that the Piranha is OP, I, I would generally assume that they haven't played it very much. Because it is OP, if you're extremely careful and uh, the game goes your way, because you get one shot all the time. And if the enemy mechs haven't been opened up by the time you know, you're getting engaged, then there's not a heck of a lot you can do, really. It's difficult to turn the tide of battle on your own in a piranha. You can go out there and make major plays and take down a lot of enemies, but you need your teammates also opening people up. You're not going to be able to rip through everybody on your own. Yeah, I mean, it was a, um, as you say, high uh, high skill ceiling mech. You know, I think that was a positive. And I guess probably when we think about the Piranha, we do default to think about the Piranha 1 and, and all of those machine guns. The other Piranhas, including the Hero, were a little bit um, on the shelf, I think, until they made the changes later in the year to those smaller laser yeah. groupings. Uh, but yeah, certainly a terror uh, on the battlefield. Your thoughts on the impact of that mech pack? I mean, you've kind of alluded to it already. It caused a major shift, I think, in the, in the game and the way that it's played the Piranha. You can't be sitting at the back on your own, even more so than before. You're just going to get eaten up. And one thing that I wanted to mention as well was that their mech packs for impacts on competitive play. And Piranha is very present in competitive play, but it really is a glass cannon. It's a big risk to take a Piranha into a comp game because you can't afford to lose mechs out of hand in comp games, especially if, you know, first little engagement, you come around the corner, bang, dead, you've lost a teammate. Oh, well, this game could be going down just because of that one thing. And if you say bring three Piranhas, which is a force to be reckoned with, there's still, you know, if you've got a streak boat on the enemy team, then they could be in for a really rough time and probably better off with some mislinks or something like that. Nice. And where do you think this little little puppy would sit on uh, Denier Walker's tier list? Oh, it's got to be tier one, right? Yeah, it's got to be up there, surely. Or at least the Piranha one. Yeah, for sure. And and now the Cypher and the, and the Energy one's all right as well. It's, you can do some wicked alphas with it. So that was a good start to the year. The Piranha was um, certainly impactful and, and you know you still see it running around uh, even a year on. We'll move on into February uh, and we had the release of the Black Lanner. I will say this isn't a mech that I've played a ton of, but we had a uh, six fifty-five ton clan medium. Kat, you've played and done pretty well with the Black Lanner. Uh, tell us a little bit about that one. Yeah, I was um, fairly excited about the Black Lanner, if only because you know clans were getting a fifty-five tonner. But the reality of it was that it was quite a frustrating release. It was one of those ones where you paid your money and you kind of got served a bit of a raw hand there were completing those challenges and stuff just turned into a bit of a trial really there was some fun to be had with the mech for sure i mean there was some some uniqueness about it which i think in the form of the mask 
gave gave me a, quite a number of good games out of it at least but it was by no means a powerful mech when it came especially when it came out it was one of those ones where it got buffed later and into being a little more usable but right when it came out it was a pretty frustrating experience black Lantern was hyped really is that that speedy skirmisher the speed that it could go with the mask in particular was was something that was hyped a little bit but it did suffer a little bit what from what some of the clan mechs do just with the limited capacity right the loadouts that you could take were are somewhat limited so situational you reckon the black lana at best very much so i went into it buying the ultimate pack knowing that it was going to be very limited in pod space because obviously it's toting a huge engine for a mech its size but really it was it came down to more the hard points that you know there was one arm that had most of the energy in it that would inevitably get shot off one of those mechs where it just felt like there wasn't a whole bunch of different things you could do it felt like there was sort of one or two things you could do that worked and then a bunch of other stuff that wasn't really worth doing at all suffered a little bit i think from other mechs doing the role a little bit better so it wasn't necessarily anything that uh, stood out so impact pretty low ultimately you don't necessarily see a ton of them running around almost a year on yeah and I mean, they they are kind of scary things to come up against if you're in a light, perhaps that you can't just run away from it. And I and I do see them get played a fair amount, surprisingly. But yeah, I think the impact on the game has been low, and certainly the impact on comp. I've barely seen them in comp at all. And on Denier Walker's tier lists, where do we think this would sit? I'd rate that a four myself. All right. So um, from uh, a clan light and a clan medium, we then went into a clan heavy. Uh, we had one of PGI's uh, uniquely designed uh, mechs in the Sun Spider. You know, we talked a little bit about the design and the, the sexiness. And personally, I thought this was a pretty sexy mech. This is um, something that I think PGI do really, really well, uh, is the aesthetic. Uh, and they delivered six 70-ton uh, clan heavies here. Personally, I found the Sun Spider pretty versatile. It had the benefit, of course, of getting the extra hero. Uh, from the login bonus uh, over the holidays, uh, 2017, 2018. It seems to be pretty popular and pretty glass cannony like a lot of the clan mechs. Your thoughts? Yeah, well, everybody got to try the Sun Spider straight away, I think, because of the holiday bonus thing. And this is another mech like the Black Lanner that was really hobbled when it came out by some really nasty hitboxes. You just go out and it seemed like the first shot would take a side to or so off so it was again unfortunately a little bit of a painful mech to grind out and work through those challenges but thankfully they did um, patch it up in the months to follow but again you know those challenges had already been done with much grinding of teeth i think for most people they're probably just glad that they only got one yeah sunspotter was a bit tricky for me again i struggle with the glass cannons as as a bit of a potato is that you can really quickly uh, lose a torso or, or lose something if you don't look after it. So yeah, it's probably one of those mechs that you know had that had that skill ceiling a bit higher than uh, less forgiving, I guess, than IS mechs. But I enjoyed it to be fair. Um, some long range builds, um, you know, the four ballistic variant, uh, the omnipods that you can get were pretty fun long range. But I think overall a pretty low impact. Um, ultimately, would you agree? Yeah, for sure. And, and I agree with you as well that it was it is quite a versatile mech. It's got a number of uh, hardpoint options that mean that it can do SRMs, it can do LRMs and ATMs if you're that way inclined. It can do DACA, it can take ECM. Yeah, so there, there's a number of options there for you. 
and it's also got a decent amount of pod space. It's reasonably speedy. Really has the had the potential to be quite a decent mech. And I think a lot of the reason why we don't see it as much in the game as we might otherwise was purely because when it came out, it wasn't very good. And people have, it's kind of blackened its name somewhat. You do see them a, a, a decent amount, but nevertheless, I think that it would be a much more impactful mech if it wasn't for that fact that the hitboxes were just no good when it came out. I mean, generally speaking, I guess some of the mech packs do suffer from that where they've got all those other things going for them. They almost have to be not as good in some of those areas. You know, you can't quirk up the Sun Spider to make the, the torsos a bit tougher um, because it's got all those other things going for it. So it does, I guess, suffer a little bit from um, that versatility uh, and uh, how much you can do with it, given that, you know, the survivability is probably not what it, uh, what it could be. Yeah, a little sort of bit of... Um preemptive nerfing from PGI perhaps because of those facts like you say and I guess that the the fear there on their side is that if they put something in the game and it's OP people are going to be upset when they straight away take away their toys <laughs> um, and there's better probably better from a marketing perspective for them to put something in sort of lowball it and then when they see that it's not performing where they want it to obviously try and get it to where you want it to but if they see it's not performing where they want it to to then just buff it up a bit into usability but yeah it just needs to be more proactive it needs to be more supportive of their customers the people that are actually going out and buying the mech packs shouldn't get getting frustrated with the products that they're getting so pretty low impact uh, i think much like the black lena pretty situational you do still see them played a little bit you know this far on i still take them out sometimes for faction play and stuff like that uh where did you think it came in for denier walker on his tier list uh, well, when it came in, I, I again, I ranked it a four, tier four. And that's my lowest ranking. I think Denier Walkers actually goes to five, but I've just done one to four. Four, four initially. Four. Yeah, I'd have to agree with that. All right, we go from clans into IS, and the first IS release of the year was the much-anticipated Fafnir, and probably one of the more unique-looking mechs, wouldn't you say? Uh, kind of looking like the head of Wally. Uh, from the, the animated um, uh, movie. <laughs> so, of course, we had 100 ton um, IS Assault. Uh, six of those released was pretty popular. I think they would have would have got a lot of sales from the Fafnir. I didn't um, get it at the time. I kind of waited till down the track before I did uh, get that one, but I certainly enjoy the ballistics in the ECM. I know you've been pretty prolific with the Faffies kit. Oh, yeah. And like you say, just very sort of unique, original to look at compared to the other mechs that are in the game. Surprisingly tanky, given the, the shape that it is. And yeah, some unique options, being able to take an Annihilator with ECM in exchange for a slightly worse durability was is, is opens up a whole lot of interesting options. And uh, shelter from the dreaded lerms is always... <laughs> is always uh, beneficial especially with the looms getting a little bit stronger I guess later in the year I mean if we compare I guess the Fafnir to the Annihilator which is I, I guess maybe it's closest comparison the Fafi was thick T-H-I-C-C you know how did you think it fit in uh, it wasn't it was released not that long after the Annihilator all things considered yeah, a little bit of um, sort of duplication in the kind of things that you could do. And the, and the, really the major points of difference was the, the ECM that it could carry. Couldn't quite bring the DACA to the levels of the Annihilator 2A. It doesn't have a six ballistic option. But nevertheless, you know, it could do quad LBX and dual heavy gorse and, and those kind of builds just as well. And 
uh, UAC 10s and 5s was another one that I enjoyed running on that. Yeah, so for, I would say that that had a, a major impact on the game, certainly ubiquitous, would you say? You see them pretty much every game. There's probably a Fafnir in there. Yeah, agreed. I mean, at least once, one every second game, I think. And, you know, it's a, another uh, great platform from the for the dual heavy course, which, is, which I think is a pretty popular uh, play style. Not, not meta, I don't think, but um, yeah. I mean, I enjoy the Faf for the UX, uh, the UX build that you're talking about and the heavy course. Uh, and just yeah, I think it looks cool. So yeah, I I agree. Yeah. I think it was pretty major um impact there, and yeah, you do see it a lot around. The impact on comp play, I just chuck that in there as well. That it saw a lot of use in comp as well, particularly just because of the rules with um, BFM and those sort of uh, MRBC and such. That it limits the amount of times you can use the same mech uh, throughout the matches. And so the Fafnir was basically you can have a few more not quite as good annihilators in your game or you can bring a little bit of ecm shield if you need that for your annihilators and that those kind of ideas so yeah it, well used in comp for sure and I, I think it features in the faction play decks for uh, is as well i know, I know i've got oh, yeah. one in there so where would dean have chucked this one you think i don't know where he would have chucked it but i'm gonna put it <laughs> i'm gonna put it at tier one that's my amazing tier is the best of the best yeah yeah a couple of in particular a couple of really good builds there that i think um sit into that one right so with solaris we also had the solaris 7 uh, hero pack released and we can probably cover this one pretty quickly cam cat because uh, even though there was seven in there uh, and it was relatively good value for money uh, the mechs themselves were average at best there was a couple of decent heroes in there but Generally speaking, most of them were pretty underwhelming. Uh, your thoughts quickly on this mech pack? Yeah, along the lines of what you said, really, that there was um, probably the, the Atlas hero, the Kraken, was the pick of the bunch. But really, they didn't live up to the, the sort of the rhetoric surrounding them, where, you know, these are Solaris heroes. Well, they're not very good. <laughs> you know, I wouldn't be bringing them into Solaris, really. So, yeah. A great value, like you said, and, and you did get a bunch of other warhorns and stuff like that, right? So um, perhaps not necessarily throwing your money down the drain, but yeah, pretty underwhelming. Yeah, and you said it right there. It was a missed opportunity, really, that um, it was, you know, in line with Solaris, the game mode release. So it would have been a perfect opportunity to make those heroes awesome one-on-one monsters, um, you know, give you a reason to take those to Solaris. And, and be seeing them all the time and where they're supposed to be. I think that was kind of what people had envisioned that release would look like, but instead they were all pretty mediocre. Uh, and yeah, the Kraken, all right, but I still think some of the other Atlas variants were better than it. You know, the Mad Dog was was pretty good, but everything else was, yeah, just a, a little bit underwhelming. Yeah, I think that they, the, the key problem with them is that they just didn't really add anything new, really. I mean, the Kraken was just an Atlas D, really, with slightly different quirks. The Mad Dog, like you said, added a new hard point. It was really just more of the same. Like the game mode itself, I think it was um, just just not quite there. Uh, as you say, it was um, other variants did it, and they weren't better than anything else. So, yeah, pretty pretty low impact on this one, I'd be interested to know how many of these packs got sold because uh, yeah, I think they were they uh, weren't that popular. All right, we go from uh, Inosphere Assault to Clan Assault. Uh, this time, the ninety ton Blood S. Uh, 
which again came with some you know pretty unique geometry uh an amazing design uh which was oh, almost one of the things that kind of plagued it at the start to be honest uh the the big old platforms uh atop the cockpit you enjoy your blood ace now but uh, what were your thoughts on that release yeah that's one of the ones that i didn't pick up on release but i have played it a lot since and i I guess I, I followed the um, the debate quite closely uh, online and through the patches where the, you know, the hard points uh, didn't look like they did in the concept art and so they got changed and then that wasn't satisfactory either so they got changed again. And I guess props to PGI for trying to deliver on what people had hoped they were going to get. It was an interesting one because it was really playing the visual beauty of the design against the usage of it in terms of um, durability, where when it came out, it actually had quite condensed little hard points, which obviously make those uh, side torsos less vulnerable, which is a good thing, right? But it didn't look cool, so people weren't happy, which is fair enough. And so now we've got one that has uh, much more vulnerable side torsos, but looks badass, so (laughs) I I guess at least some are happy. It did throw the conversation there around balance, I think, about this idea of the aesthetic uh, and whether it's true to some people's desires, uh, whereas others, you know, when you're in the cockpit, you don't necessarily see that stuff. So the practicality of it, I mean, as a potato, even I aim for that on a blood asp, you know, I mean, I aim for the, I aim for the big guns, you know, knowing that it's going to be a side torso. So uh, it is almost like a, a big target there, but Look, it had ECM, uh, obviously a, a ton of different mm. builds that you could um, put on there, a pretty good long-range mech. You know, I know that you're a bit of a, a, a beast in faction play with the uh, PPC build. Yeah, that's a bit of a sleeper, I think. I'm really enjoying playing quad ERPPC on the Bladasp A, where um, they're all in the arms like a Warhawk, um, but you've got ECM and you've got jump jets, which makes it able to get up into you know some nice elevated positions and also you can spread damage by sort of pumping the jump jets if you if you're under fire, or even you can pop tart, <laughs> which is kind of weird. the The mounts aren't great, but it's good enough to easily carry you through in most scenarios. I don't know if I'd be taking that into comp, uh, <laughs> but it's it's at least doesn't have the super vulnerable side torsos that, for example, the you know the Gorse build has. And what you were saying, I think it's it's kind of what the Fafnir is to the Annihilator. The Blood Aspers to the Mad Cat 2. So it's kind of like a Mad Cat 2 with ECM and not quite as good, maybe. But yeah, it's, it's opened up a lot of options. I know people are really enjoying like three UAC 5s and a UAC 10. Another one of the mechs, maybe that um, because it's got ECM and, and some of those other things, then the, the hitboxes can't be, be quite as good. So the boxes that get ticked on the good side have to be offset uh, by some of these other things. So Plus, it looks really cool, so it needs to be nerfed down. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It, it is a very, very sexy mech. It is uh, certainly a contender for one of the best designed in 2018. Pretty moderate impact, I'd say. This was, I, I, when I rated this, I thought the Blood Ash was kind of middle of the road. I, I actually gave this a, a good rating, uh, and that's when it came out. It's perhaps a, even a little better now. Yeah, I think, it, I think it's a decent mech, above average, and um, we'll see play into the future. For sure. There's there's a number of options available. I'd say a solid tier three for me, for you. Two. Two. Yeah, that's probably because you're better than me. <laughs> <laughs> oh, this is going to be more interesting if we disagree anyway. <laughs> <laughs>
Right, we'll go, we'll go from the big to the small. Uh, and after the Blood Asp, we did see a shrink down to a 20 ton IS mech in the flea. Uh, and so we did see six of those released. Uh, I did pre-order this one and really enjoyed it. Um, the flea is a pretty good mech. What do you reckon? Yeah, I, it, I got a soft spot for the flea. It's um, a little bit more durable than a piranha, perhaps, but you still still found yourself getting one shot uh, more often than you'd like, perhaps. You come around the corner and get a shot meant for someone else, even, and just bang dead onto the next game. But yeah, I mean, the combination of that tiny, tiny frame and the extreme speed with the mask and especially the acceleration and deceleration and cornering and that kind of stuff. And then there was a few options with stealth in there. Really gave us our first um, DACA options for IS. Yeah, I think it was a really great little mech pack, and I had a he- heap of a fun with the the meat meat mix. Probably one of the most popular war ones in particular, as you say, the uh, you know, Darren voicing the uh, Roadrunner meat meat. But I mean, the flea. Oh, was that Darren? I think it was Darren. Yeah, maybe that's uh, urban myth, but uh, you know, Darren can, can get back to us and tell us whether that was uh, correct or not. But, I mean, the flea was almost like the IS answer to the Piranha. You know, obviously it was not quite as impactful as the Piranha one or or as much of a terror, but, you know, that same kind of, you know, machine gun spam. But the flea, the variants did some different things, which I thought was quite cool. Um, The ECM and and the mask as well. So there was a bit of variety there, uh, which I think was a little bit different to the Piranha. But it was that same kind of don't get hit philosophy. Yeah, yeah. Don't look at me. And the... I, th- I found the Fire Ant was my favorite variant, which was the Deco one. Not the eight machine gun one, but the six. Um, seemed to be the most the sort of capable uh, mixture of abilities. The one thing that I'd say about the Flea ongoing is that it's it hasn't peaked yet. That there's a, a massive skill ceiling for the Flea. And especially now with the stealth changes that we've had since then. You might see some sort of names popping up where people get a crazy level of ability with pairing the stealth with the mask and able to just game people and stay behind them at all times, that kind of thing. I mean, a capable light pilot is able to do some pretty fun stuff in the fleas. You can outturn pretty much anything. Um, so you can just stay right behind them. It's like the old school locust in that way. Do you think the flea kind of um, replaced the locust or outperformed the locust, uh, moved it into obscurity? No, no. I think that the PGA made a point to make the flea and the locust distinct. And and the locust has more outright speed still than the flea. And um, stats, it's the really the mask that makes the flea able to compete with the locust in that regard. So you have to bring it and it, you have to you know pay the tonnage price for it and all that kind of stuff. And only in bursts can you outperform a locust. And the locust is also a bit more durable. It's been patched since then with some weapons quirks and stuff like that as well. So it's, I, I think that the locust still has an important pla- uh, place in the game. So you still um, do see the fleas jumping around, uh, even, even half a year mm-hmm. or seven months on. Moderate impact, I think. Uh, it's fun uh, without you know, maybe being as impactful as the piranha. Uh, y- your thoughts on the impact of the flea? Yeah, I'm just a tear up from you on that. I think it's uh, it was uh, I'd put it a rating of of two, tier two, and I think it's it's a really good, capable little mech. 
not the tier one level that would take to be very prevalent in comp games, but still enough of a playmaker and, and a capable mech that it had a pretty decent impact on the game. All right, from um, small to uh, a little bit bigger, we go from ice to clan uh, and the Hellfire. Uh, again, quite a uh, interesting mech uh, if we look at the geometry and the the aesthetic. Uh, but I don't know, the Hellfire for me was a little bit of a... Went down in flames. <laughs> Went down in flames. Nice. I like that. Yeah. 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 Hellish flames. Yeah. It, it kind of fizzled out pretty quickly, don't you think? Yeah. Yep. Saw a bunch of them on patch day and then sort of just very quickly tapered off. I think the Geo really held that one back. It was kind of a little bit of a uh, a black lanner that's five tons heavier, perhaps, um, where the key point of difference was that it could bring that mask. Yeah, a little bit unusual in that it was a a clan battle mech that didn't really land. Most of the clan battle mechs are pretty capable, but this one, just I think geometry held it back a lot. The nice that I've got here is just maybe that it didn't fit any particular role well, that there was just too many other things that did what it might want to do better, uh, and the mass kind of wasn't enough to elevate it, even though you could pop in and out. Uh, mm. it, it just didn't, didn't quite hit the mark. I mean... Low mounts low mounts for popping in and out you know ideally you'd want to pop up get your shot off without having to expose the whole mech and the side torso is a really massive like half the arm is side torso i um i did pick up the void uh in the, in the sale recently though and and i do find that fun to play with the two gorse and four er meds but yeah again one of those ones where you just have to position really well because you can just go down pretty quickly exactly right yeah it it it's it's brings some just like the Black Lanner, brings some unique gameplay options, but it just needs a little bit of love to get it to where it's actually, you know, can compete at the same level as the mechs that you find most often in the rest of the game. Yeah, so pretty low impact, I think. Don't see them around that often. Uh, probably tier four for me. I put tier three, and maybe this is just the just the our different ranking systems coming into effect here, where I'm one above you um, on a few of these, but. Yeah, it's not a terrible mech. It's capable enough. It's it's not across the average line, I guess you'd say. Okay, so we go from the Hellfire to the Vulcan. Uh, which was a 40-ton IS mech. Uh, a little bit like the Hellfire. I felt this one kind of came and went pretty quickly. Uh, there were big wraps on uh, its mobility. Uh, but I just didn't really see the Vulcan doing anything that well. That was, you know, once the initial kind of challenges ran out uh, and people didn't have a reason to play it, that uh, it, it virtually disappeared and, and I've hardly seen it since. So uh, was the Vulcan one that you picked up? No, I think it's just an assassin. That was my main problem with it and the thing that stopped me from putting some money on the table for that was that it's just an assassin. Like there's really nothing different about it. It's the same weight. It carries a lot of the same kind of loadouts. Doesn't really add anything to the game. It, I kind of like how it looks. It's kind of a kooky looking mech. And I might pick one up um, at some point. But yeah, for me, uh, it wasn't enough for me to put some money down for that. Yeah, pretty pretty low impact. As I said, I think it's um, all but disappeared uh, from from the battlefield. Probably need some quirks. Do you, do you think you could quirk it to relevance? Yeah, yeah. I think that that's exactly what it needs. It needs... 
some point of difference in quirks to really distinguish it from the assassins. You know, if the assassins are durable, then this one just has hellish mobility or something like that. Yeah, it'd be a good candidate for one of those uh, heat scale mm. quirks or, or new quirk type. Uh, I think that uh, that makes it stand out. Just give it a reason to be. So low impact, and yeah, this is a, a four for me. I mean, I've um, only I've never played it, so I'm only judging that from what I've seen. It's um, I like seeing it because it's easy to kill. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I I think I'd go the same there. It's it's probably not uh, truly terrible, but it just doesn't add enough for me. So I gave it a three. Okay, we move from the Vulcan to the Incubus. Here we had a 30-ton clan light. We were both quite excited about this one. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Now, that excitement didn't last that long. Um, it's just hard to play. I mean, it uh, suffers a little bit from, not again, not being able to do anything uh, that well or other mechs to, to do it better. But despite the fact that you can mount all right weaponry and go really fast, the Incubus, you just have to breathe on it and it goes down. It is really, really squishy. Uh, and that really limits its effectiveness. Your thoughts on the Incubus? We, we both were excited about this one and um, really fell flat for me with um, just constant side torso destruction. It seemed like the first shot that hit you would just either remove the side torso entirely or open you up to the point where you knew you couldn't really take any risks for the rest of that game. Just major hitbox issues. But worse than that for me was that um, really the variants had nothing to differentiate them. There were so many versions that was just yeah machine guns and lasers. And the Incubus was a battle mech, so you know there wasn't necessarily even the option to um, swap too much around. And yeah, oh, look, I agree completely. It was just um, rinse and repeat really for the for the types of builds, the laser and ballistics, without the tonnage to really run anything other than machine guns. The reason I was excited for this mech is because it's. The first properly fast clan light, you know, the the cheetah is 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 great, but it's not that fast. Same with mislinks, and so being able to have you know a, a clan light that could keep up with wolfhounds and things like that was a pretty intriguing option. And as a battle mech, that means you can you know pick your engine and you can put in whatever weapons you like, and to some extent that did give you the ability to put in a great deal of weapons for a little mech, you know, just chop your engine size down. But yeah, just not enough uh, durability to really play out those roles, and especially the ones with uh, machine guns. And the, the quirks didn't do it any favours either because they were all sort of pushed it towards doing the same thing again and again. Yeah, the ones with machine guns couldn't do FaceTime. So what's the point of running machine guns if you can't get shot? <laughs> And, and if you go fast, you know, you're using speed as your armor, but because the geometry, it was kind of tall and upright, uh, you know, you, you couldn't really even take advantage of the speed uh, and, and cut the corners in the same way that a piranha or a flea would, uh, you know, low to the ground compared to the incubus. And as you say, the hard points that it had weren't complementary uh, to its lack of durability. So, I mean, I found myself playing uh, more long range ER meds, medium pulse, uh, you know, there just wasn't really anything else you could do on it because yeah, if you get within Kui of the um of of anything, then you get taken down. They're very underwhelming, and it, it what it needs is durability quirks. I think that it needs to be the durable clan light, um, so it can do the the clan version of a wolfhound. Even if it's not yeah. as durable as a wolfhound, I can understand that the wolfhound is the 
you know, the mech that um, is tanky, and that's the IS thing. But it needs some more love there to be able to be worth taking out of the garage. Yeah, agree completely. Uh, you know, just a um a step down from the Wolfhound would be the clan version of the Wolfhound because no other clan light does that. So it, I mean, I don't know what it was in law, and that was maybe why they didn't um didn't didn't do that. But yeah, that, I think that's where they'd need to take the Incubus to make it playable. But impact very low. I mean, it's apart from when I play it, I don't really see it out there. <laughs> um, and yeah, def- definitely a tier four, tier five. <laughs> yeah, maybe. Yeah, I gave it uh, my lowest ranking, which is a four, just just for that reason. And and grinding through all those mechs in that mech pack was a trial. Right, so the next one that we have here, and this was um, uh, quite a few mech packs were, were at least pretty quick fire here from memory. We had the champion. So we had the, wow, almost the most unusual looking mech. That was released in 2018. The um, the design was certainly something that was uh, off discussed, uh, but we had a 60 ton IS heavy, uh, and yeah, I mean, I as you know, this has been one of my faves. But your thoughts on the champion? Yeah, uh, I really didn't expect much the champion, so I was super pleasantly surprised when it was a hell of fun mech to play that had a, a bunch of different options for loadouts and um, durable, distinctive looking, like you say, it looks like an A-10 Warthog or something like that with those wings out the side. It was, it, it was great fun. Yeah, I mean, for me, this was the perfect mech. You know, something IS with uh, a bit tanky, the fun ballistic laser mix. Uh, you know, the Invictus was fantastic with the kind of IV-4 build, the uh, two MRM-30s with jump jets. Every one of the variants on this champion was fun to play, hella fun to play, whether it's you know, a 3 rack 2 build or a 3 UAC um, build, the uh, heavy gauss 5 mediums type um, thing, you know, you could, uh, you could go long range, you could get in there and brawl, I mean the build that you sent me with the uh, 2 LBX10 and the 4 uh, small pulse, probably my favourite mech all year uh, to play that, uh, that build is just fantastic, so yeah, and it, it looks weird you know is there, is there any other way to describe it it looks weird people really underestimate you when you're in the champion as well i think because generally it's had a sort of a maybe a moderate impact on the game and people just think oh this thing it'll be easy but uh actually it packs a hell of a punch and it's very durable so um and that those crazy wings actually spread damage really well and generally speaking those aircraft shaped mechs spread damage really well as well so it actually can all really nicely in there and like you say the heavy gorse with five medium lasers was probably my favorite out of the builds and also a gorse with six er meds two uac twos and two ac twos is a faction play stalwart of mine for those long range maps yeah the notes here i've got is it's a really good average mech so yeah that's uh, pretty good so i mean we may differ a little bit on the rankings but for me this was a tier one from a fun perspective, probably a tier two, if you know the more discerning, like the Denier Walkers were rating it, because uh, it's not not exactly meta, but I found it super fun. So a tier one for me. Yeah, t- tier two for me. Like you say, I really enjoyed playing it, uh, but thinking about you know how much impact it's going to have on the game as a whole, how many of them you're going to see every day, uh, how often they're going to be used in comp. I think it, it uh, yeah, a, a definitely a step down from that. So we went from uh, the champion and the 60-ton IS to the much, much anticipated Vapor Eagle. 
the 55 ton clan medium. So I think we can both agree that this um, certainly had a major impact late in 2018. Uh, what were your thoughts on the Vapor Eagle? Yeah, I mean, to some extent, it um, fell short of the dizzying heights that people had expected from it. Um, but yeah, a very capable mech, a true clan 55 tonner at last, You're able to take mad builds with it, with, you know, you take LBX 20 and 4S or M6s with Artemis on a 55 tonner is insane with jump jets as well take crazy dacker you basically could take the same kind of builds that like makes 20 tons heavier can take on a 55 ton frame good hitboxes very very beautiful looking for me at least really like how it um, uh, draws on the inspiration from a harpy eagle but yeah a couple of things just pulled it back one notch from being a uh, you know, perfect 10, I guess you'd say, where um, the energy hard points when they were released were you got one high one and then the rest low or in the arms, which meant that it couldn't really compete with the Hunchback 2C for peaking or PPCing, um, but still very, very capable. And yeah, and it means that those mechs like the Hunchback 2C still have a, a unique place in the game as being the best at that, which I think is uh, something we should pr- try to preserve. Yeah, another battle mech, which was nice, uh, you know, pod space and the ability to swap the engines out. A lot of different builds that you could take across the variants. The hero, probably the only bad variant. I thought the the rival was, you know, just a little bit limiting in regards to the um, hard points. But man, I found the Vapor Eagle kick ass. It has absolutely been a fantastic addition. I mean, something, you know, immediately to take uh, on scouting, I found. I had some crazy good games in the rival, actually. Playing the Shadowcat build with Mask and couple of ppcs and as long as you could preserve the arm that the ppcs were in jump like mad and shoot people it was uh, pretty insanely fun but yeah i agree with you though that is limiting in the options that you could take basically there was that build and nothing else really well the vapor eagle certainly did tick a lot of boxes um the aesthetic i thought was was amazing as you said uh, you know another fantastic job by pgi in regards to to that aspect and geez i watched games with bowser uh, in the LBX20 and the 4 SRM build, just absolutely clearing house. First in line for nerfs, probably. <laughs> Maybe. I mean, I wouldn't necess- necessarily say it's OP. You know, if you put it up against Mex in its tonnage bracket, it, it could knock a Black Lantern for six, but I think uh, Bushwhacker would give it a decent run. And for me, the dual gorse and medium laser mech was the pick of the uh, of the bunch but yeah i don't i don't think it deserves nerfs not at all i, I don't think anything deserves nerfs but um yeah you know, you know how it goes. <laughs> compared to the mix around it it's not overperforming i don't think maybe it's the case of it came out with a lot of hype and and people were kind of like whoa when they saw everything you could do with mm. it but now that people have had a chance to get used to it um yeah maybe as you were saying it's not quite as OP mm. uh, as as people had initially thought as it kind of settles into its into its niche. The the strength of the mech is the the loadouts you can build. It's I guess you could say it's kind of a night of of the mediums where you can bring a, a massive uh, arsenal, but you you will get wrecked if if some if you try to FaceTime people too hard because uh, it's a bit of a glass cannon. It's you know it doesn't have a lot of armor buffs or anything like that to keep it safe. You gotta you gotta really play cautious with it. I think it's had a major impact, but I think that'll probably wind back a little bit. Uh, I think you'll see it pretty commonly. Yeah, I think it came with a lot of hype and, and potentially is good, but not OP. Exactly. Nevertheless, I gave it my tier one ranking. 
as one of the best mechs of the year by far. Yeah, tier one, tier one for sure. But I don't think you'll see them everywhere on the battlefield. They'll be common, but not ubiquitous, I guess. All right, so from the Vapor Eagle, we had the last mech pack, or should I say mech packs of the year, uh, the Evolution pack, which included uh, both the Hatamoto Chi and the Charger, uh, which were both 80 ton IS assaults. Your thoughts on, um, we'd start with the Hatamoto Chi. Okay, well, I mean, it's, I, th- I think it's kind of interesting to look at them together, actually, in a way, because I feel like this could have been one mech release in a way. They're not that distinct from each other. Certainly in appearance, uh, I quite like the look of the two mechs. Even the sort of blocky charger kind of conforms to my sort of expectations of um, how an IS mech should work a bit 80s and square and you know it looks like a highlander in its younger svelter days <laughs> before it packed on a few pounds <laughs> but yeah the, there wasn't a hell of a lot really to um to distinguish the two mechs from each other they're both 80 tons they're both quite durable they both take quite similar loadouts i thought the hadamoto wasn't as good as the charger suffered perhaps from a little bit of the Incubus syndrome, where too many of the loadouts or too many of the variants were uh, similar to each other, so there wasn't, you know, a hell lot of hell of a lot of options of what you could take on them. What about you? What, what did you think of the Hatamoto? I didn't mind it. I, I think it was one of those ones where you see the ballistics there, um, or you see, say, four missile hardpoints, and for me, immediately I go to brawl. You know, and I'm thinking about those large uh, ballistic weapons, or you know, four SRM sixes, and I started with that. But then I kind of changed my thoughts uh, after kind of getting smoked up in a couple of games. I just didn't think it had the mobility or the durability to brawl. Uh, And so for a lot of those builds, I went from um, kind of brawl to mid-range. And yeah, like I think it plays all right as as mid-range if you're throwing some um, some medium-range missiles uh, downrange or playing, um, you know, LBXs and stuff like that. I I think it, it almost lulls you into a sense that you see the aesthetic and you're blown away by the aesthetic, and your mind almost automatically wants it to be good because you want to play it because <laughs> it looks so good. Um, but yeah, I just don't don't think it does anything particularly well. So I don't think it has the durability or the mobility to be a really good brawler, um, and I don't think maybe the hard points or the quirks mean that it's going to be a really OP kind of mid-range or long-range trader, but pretty pretty low impact. I don't think you'll see a lot of them beyond this initial period of of, uh, of novelty but I, I think it's probably below average but i enjoy it and as i said i, I like my emeryms so yeah i, I didn't mind um the, the variance there mm. and I, I ran pretty much a mixture of uh things like i said yeah. ppc on everything but yeah the i had the ecm one with emeryum 50 and two snubs and then on the shugo i had a bit of a laugh which is the hero um just running emeryum 100 on that like the you know the cyclops type build you know you can take pack quite a bit of a punch in an 80 ton mech for sure and it i mean it does have some decent durability quirks they're just not quite to the dizzying heights of a victor or something like that yeah all the dizzying heights that someone like me needs uh, to be effective but uh yeah yeah look the charger i've i've enjoyed more to be honest uh, i think the energy hard points and some of the quirks towards lasers i've, I've quite enjoyed so i struggled a little bit with the hero to, to get that one going but um for some of those variants there, um, the AC20 variant uh, with the quirks that it has there, 
105. Yeah. I, I, look, I've enjoyed the the Charger probably more than Hatamoto G. Th- that one I would think is above average for mine. Uh, you know, five uh, large laser build. Just that classic kind of 40 to 50 point alpha um, that if you can position well and, and, and trade well, um, that you can be pretty effective in it. And I think um, a special mention for the hero, that uh, unique quirk of the, um, was it 80% crit reduction? I'd like to see more of that, to be honest. It would be good if they, they just, you know, went big on, on that stuff. Oh, 70% crit chance receiving. That's really distinctive and interesting and, and flavorful with the name Lucky Number 7. And I run a, run a Warhammer-style build on mine with three medium lasers and three large pulse and a bunch of jump jets. It does pretty well. The brawler one that you mentioned, I think it's the 105, is it? Is is a decent combatant against the Victor, but the Victor would probably come out on top. The 101 that you mentioned, I run six large lasers on that, and that I really enjoyed. That would be my pick of the bunch. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know me and my heat management, so I'll, I'll tend to just laser <laughs> down a little bit before I kill myself. But yeah, I think overall the pack, they, they did suffer a little bit from almost being too good looking. Um, so that, <laughs> that up to the expectation of how they would perform. Again, releasing those two packs together, I think, has made each one a little bit less distinctive. But I can't lie, I, I've enjoyed um, playing both of them and, and um, getting them, getting those 91 skill points banged out. So yeah, I would, um, I'd say probably low impact, but fun at least. Certainly not meta, but at least fun mix. Yeah, I mean, I gave the the Charger uh, Tier 2 and the Hatamoto Tier 3. For me, both Tier 3s, I think. Okay. I actually don't like how the Hatamoto looks. Really? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, I do, those silly side torso holes uh, that look weird when you put certain weapons in them. And the, I like mechs like the Sun Spider or the Vapor Eagle, where they evoke the source material. Like they, they evoke a spider or uh, an eagle, but they don't look like a spider or an eagle. Whereas the Haramoto Chi just looks like a samurai. Which is what I like about it, to be fair. But I can understand that, that you kind of like the subtlety. <laughs> I'd rather it looked like a samurai a bit, I guess, or that it had sort of flair on it that made it look samurai-ish or Japanese-ish. But yeah, just out and out, big things on your forehead. Uh, I'm not quite as much of a fan. I don't hate it, but not quite as much of a fan of it as you. You said a high bar, Kevin Kate. You said a high bar. <laughs> Oh, that's probably just the designer in me. Yeah, for sure. Having, having opinions. <laughs> so that was the uh, last one of 2018. And of course, why we were, whilst we were still in 2018, we did have the announcement of the Warhammer 2C, the Corsair uh, as well. So um, obviously, we won't touch on those as they are not released yet. But of those 14 mech packs that we have mentioned we're just going to go through now and talk a little bit about what we thought was our mech of the year or mech pack of the year uh, what we thought the flop of the year was and what the buy of the year was and that's pretty much what we we're going to talk about what our favorites are so drum roll please let's start with our mech pack of the year captain cat oh, for me it's got to be the fafnir I've, I've spent a decent bunch of time in those since getting them very distinctive looking like we spoke about big bucker uh, loadouts and the ECM for the loom shielding and faction play and and various other things is uh, makes it my pick of the bunch. How about you? For me, the Vapor Eagle. Now, uh, obviously, that's probably the um, that was the lead in favorite, but um, 
look, it just combines all of those things, mobility, firepower, uh, aesthetic, you know, it looks so good. Um, the variants had different builds that you can take from brawling to long range. And, you know, it, it's as close to the total package, I think, as we've seen uh, in a while. And whilst the shine might um, come off it in time, uh, it hasn't come off it quite yet. So, yeah, that would be the winner for me, uh, the Vapor Eagle. And, yeah, for someone like me that, um, you know, struggles a little bit in assaults because of the positioning and stuff like that, that you'd need to make the Fafnir effective you know the vapor equals a little bit more forgiving with the with the mobility and stuff like that so that takes it for me so from the best to perhaps the worst <laughs> how about you go first this time yes all right so we're probably going to come up on the same one here but my flop of the year i'm sorry to say is the incubus uh struggle apart from the title that you get with it handsome devil <laughs> That's, that was probably the best part about it look the incubus just falls well short of of doing anything really that's noteworthy you know it lacks the durability to make it effective uh it, it lacks the you know variability amongst the variants uh to make the the mech pack itself worthwhile it's just yeah just misses the mark for me on on so many uh, so many levels and you know i've tried and tried to find builds uh, that make it effective and in the end I've kind of set it on you know two ER large just to try and snipe from um, from afar and then be able to reposition really quickly but uh, yeah the, the incubus would be the one that missed the mark by the widest amount for me how about you yeah and, I, and I'm the same yeah that it was um, my expectations were high for the mech and then when it came out it was low and this is definitely an example of how the Quirks can make or break a mech, really. I mean, if the um, if it had that durability, even if it was a, a decent hit of structure, it would probably get it across the line to being usable. But also, if it was heavily quirked per variant, that would set the variants apart because, like we talked about, the hard points are very similar. So at least if you said, "Well, this one's got heaps of energy quirks and this one got." heaps of machine gun quirks well i i can come up with two different builds for those rather than just you know defaulting to one that kind of works for both i mean and the the geometry is probably not going to change and you know it's unlikely to have things like specialist equipment like jump jets and stuff added so i mean quirking mm -hmm. is really the only way you're going to pull this one up i think i think a bit of a look at its hitboxes is in order as well and in conjunction with adding a bit of durability quirks and things like that Right, so from the flop of the year to what we think would be the buy of the year. Now, this is the one that we are recommending that if you do not have, you go out and buy now. Now, if it's uh, out for Seabills, then spend all your Seabills. If it is out for MC, um, think about parting with MC, but uh, definitely stump up some money. Right, so I will start, and as our listeners have probably already guessed, my buy of the year is the champion. So... If you do not have it, go out and buy it. It looks weird, but it is so much fun. The uh, ballistics, the uh, energy mix, the hero's great with the um, IV-4 to MRM-30 build. It's just got everything that you want. It's something that you will take out 
a time and time again because it's fun you can chuck a couple of the variants into your drop decks for faction play for a bit of long range uh, you can brawl you can mid-range bit forgiving for potatoes like me so you can take a little bit <laughs> uh, it encourages you to twist with those big old arms slash wings uh, and of course you know people are going to underestimate you so you're just going to be able to sneak in there Get your damage out while they shoot your teammates. So it's it's pretty perfect. But yeah, that's been the mech I've enjoyed playing the most. And as I said, the build, the 2LBX10 for small pulse laser build is just a hell of fun brawler. So yeah, my buy of the year. Definitely get the champion. <laughs> I've got to go different from you. Uh, <laughs> I probably, to be honest, I think the champion is, 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 is really, really good. But I, I want to be a bit different. So I'm going to go, I'm going to pick the flea. As my buy of the year, you know, it's a little bit cheaper as well. So that's nice. You get a little bit of a discount when you buy the little lights. So go out and grab yourself a flea pack. It's pretty insanely fun to zoom around at 177 kph uh, and turn on a dime and meep, meep out of there. <laughs> just, <laughs> yeah, just sitting on someone's back with machine guns. And then when they turn around, just you turn the same way, just zoom around the back. It's uh yeah, it's trolley fun. And uh knowing that you're at all times half a second away from death just makes it very exciting. Nice. Right, well, 2018 it is in the bag from the Piranha through to the Hatamoto Chi and Charger. Uh it was not a bad year of mechs, I don't think. There's uh, certainly some variety in there. Uh some good, some bad. Overall, I've enjoyed it. Yourself, Kim? Yeah. For sure, that it's 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 been a journey. There's it's not been uh, twelve months of OP pay to win content. I guess is one positive way that you could look at this. We don't want every mech to come out that comes out to be the best thing ever. You know, here on the podcast, we just like things to have a reason to be in the game, whatever that may be, and to not be you know super frustrating to grind out those initial challenges with. But yeah, there's been a decent bunch of mechs out this year. Some of my favourites. Yeah, yeah. The level I think was was generally pretty good. I mean, there was a few under as we talked about, but uh, generally speaking, most of the mech packs there, uh, you wouldn't be too um, unhappy about having parted parted with some cash to get that one. All right, so that's our thoughts. We would of course be very keen to hear yours. So uh, do tell us what uh, you thought about our opinions or or what mech pack that uh, you enjoyed picking up in 2018 and uh, maybe which one you're looking forward to getting in 2019 so yeah we will be back uh, with another episode and we're going to focus on some of the uh, other changes that happened in 2018 and go into a little bit more detail uh, about the changes in the direction and what that might mean uh, for MechWarrior Online moving forward. Anything you wanted to finish up with Kim? Not really. I mean, I look forward to talking a little bit more about um, the rest of the stuff that we saw in uh, 2018. For now, I think we've covered enough. Absolutely do. All right. Well, that's um, me and Captain Cat signing off. So, um, yeah, we'll uh, catch you on the battlefield. O7 Macrays. If you did enjoy this content, then please consider supporting us. You can do this in a multitude of ways, including subscribing to our podcast on your favourite podcast platform and leaving reviews, as well as subscribing to us on YouTube and liking our videos. You can also support us by sending us feedback, either through comments, tweets, or directly through email. Tweet and follow us on Twitter at IncomingP, or email us directly at IncomingMissilePodcast at gmail.com. 
You can also support us directly by becoming a patron or sponsor. You can find us on Patreon at Incoming Missile Podcast and choose one of three tiers of support. Patrons not only get mentioned on the podcast and get access to exclusive content, but can even join us as a guest host on the podcast. You can also opt to sponsor an episode through one-off donations, all of which will be used as giveaways for our listeners. So if you had a product, service, or content that you'd like us to mention, contact us to discuss sponsoring an episode. We hope you enjoyed this episode. We look forward to hearing from you. We appreciate you listening, and we'll catch you next time. Shutdown sequence initiated.